0: And welcome to the National Treasure Hunt podcast, where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts, two super fans of one of the most underrated, yet objectively most entertaining movie franchises of all time. My name is Aubrey Paris, and I am a chemist and biologist by training, and of course, a National Treasure superfan. I am really excited on this podcast over the coming weeks to discuss some of the finer nuances of the National Treasure franchise. Franchise, things like the history behind the scenes, the science in the show, and of course, some interesting behind the scenes about show production.
1: And I'm Emily Black. I am a neuroscientist by trade. And what I'm most excited to cover in this show, honestly, are the quotes as well as the music because there's great examples of both of them throughout both of these movies, and we're going to talk about them uh, you'll see today and in coming episodes, so stay tuned.
0: Yes, and so National Treasure actually has a very special place in mine and Emily's hearts because uh, we were actually college roommates back in the day at Ursinus College, shout out. <laughs> Go Bears! Um, and And we used to joke that we had absolutely nothing in common as roommates except for our love of national treasure and so we took this to an extreme actually back in 2015 after we graduated from our we had our own national treasure hunt we went to washington dc and visited all of the fun landmarks where filming happened for this franchise it was it was a pretty epic time
1: Uh, it was absolute blast
0: yeah and, and with any luck we'll uh we'll do it again sometime in the near future but um with that as your premise Let's talk just very quickly about what you're going to get out of the National Treasure Hunt podcast. What we're going to be doing every other week in the coming weeks is really unpacking the entire National Treasure franchise from production decisions like filming and casting and, as Emily said, the music, to different plot points like the science and the history – all the way to our unfiltered opinions and of course predictions about the long awaited and once again rumored National Treasure 3 so our show is going to be bi-weekly you're going to want to catch us every other Wednesday at noon eastern time for new episodes so subscribe rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts whether that be Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or what have you and where are they going to find us on social media our
1: twitter (laughs) handle is at NT Hunt podcast. We're going to be posting updates about when we're releasing the episodes, as well as maybe even some cool things like possibly some pictures from our own National Treasure Hunt. And we'll keep you guys updated about what's going on in the world of National Treasure Hunt.
0: Oh, yes. So you have all of that to look forward to. But in the meantime, we thought we would kick off this series with really the only way we saw it appropriate to start this podcast, which was a recap of the first National Treasure movie so that we can all be on the same page and you can really see this fantastic film through our eyes and (laughs) and how we see it. So let's get right to it and, and introduce us to National Treasure. So of course, we must start with a fantastic opening when we meet The young protagonist of this movie franchise, Benjamin Franklin Gates. He's in the attic of his grandfather's house, and he learns the history of his family, the Gates family, in searching for the Templar treasure. So we get a little bit of a snapshot into history here, and we learn the origins of this of this treasure, which I think is really important to go over quickly because it really forms the crux of this film. So very briefly, we, we take a, a flashback to 1832 when the last signer of the Declaration of Independence, Charles Carroll, is going to casually see Andrew Jackson at the White House. Super casual. Yeah, I mean, we can do it all, do all that, the right? time. So so, uh, Charles Carroll is very sick. He's accompanied by his stable hand. And when he can't get to Andrew Jackson, like shocker, right? (laughs) He has to pass along this message to his stable hand, Thomas Gates, who of course is Ben Gates' grandfather's grandfather's grandfather, some crazy lineage like that. And the message is very simple. The secret lies with Charlotte, and this secret is the secret to this Templar treasure whose origins date back as early as Egypt and makes appearances, quote-unquote, in history at the Knights of the First Crusade and the Temple of Solomon. It crosses the Atlantic Ocean, shows up in America, the Freemasons get involved. It's pretty crazy.
1: It is all over the place. That treasure has truly been everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's way more well-traveled than me, that's for sure. Oh, same. Yeah, so, so it's the Freemasons, which apparently included George Washington, Paul Revere, Ben Franklin, that hid this treasure and came up with some clues. And the first clue is that the secret lies with Charlotte. And so we fast forward into present day, where we meet...
1: Benjamin Franklin Gates, a.k.a. Nick Cage. Nick firing. Cage! we get to see Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is driving what appears to be a piece of, like, construction machinery through what I can only assume is the Arctic tundra. There is snow everywhere. I think we're technically in the Arctic Circle, but it basically looks like something out of uh, planet Earth, really, when we're driving through. And... You know, they're going, we find out, they're going to look for this this ship, which conveniently is called what, Aubrey?
0: The Charlotte. And we also, very importantly, meet a few other key characters that we have to introduce at this time. First, we have Ben's right-hand man, Mr. Riley Poole, Emily's favorite.
1: He has some of the best quotes of the entire film.
0: definitely has a comedic relief role and and plays it very well we also meet our villain in this scene our villain is Ian
1: Howe played by Sean Bean I love Sean Bean so much
0: you know it's funny I think this is the first movie I ever saw him in and he makes a really great villain
1: Oh yeah, he totally does. He also makes a really good good guy, which which he has played, believe it or not, good guys before. But yes, in this movie, he's a great he's a great villain.
0: What a versatile actor! Mm-hmm. In any case, Ian has some henchmen. We'll learn more about them. They're all bad guys. Um, on on the ship, they dig it out uh, beneath several feet of ice in the the Arctic Circle go down into um, the bowels of the ship and find their next clue, which is a meerschaum pipe um, that basically has the next clue engraved in it. Do you want to explain, him?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. So the pipe has the next clue engraved in it, and Nick Cage and Ben does what has to be one of my favorite things in the entire movie because it makes absolutely no sense except to further the plot point. He goes ahead and he just cuts his finger, just casually, in, in this abandoned ship. Middle squeezes of the thumb. Of it. Yeah, middle of the thumb. Not even not even like a small prick. He slices it open, gets that blood all up on that scroll, and then he rolls it out onto a piece of paper to figure out what this scroll actually has, basically. In the middle in the middle of the ship. I, I don't understand it, honestly. <laughs> I don't honestly, know why that bugs you so much. It, it happens in the middle of the ship. And when they when they do this, they find uh, the next piece of the clue.
0: Well, it's a, a lovely riddle that we won't read in detail, but basically, within thirty seconds. Ben has discovered that the meaning of this clue is that there is an invisible map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And my God, you know, I will say that the uh, production team wrote that clue really well. It makes a lot of sense, but no one is going to come to that conclusion so quickly. Ben must be a genius. Um, this they discover there's this map on the back of the Declaration, and here's where we really find our big conflict in this in this film, which is ironic. It's in the first like eight minutes of the meeting. <laughs> um ian says all right we're gonna go get the declaration ben's like nah bro kind of impossible definitely illegal and ian's like yeah dude that's my specialty illegal nonsense so basically we have a not so amicable parting of ways here where in more or less Sort of accidentally, sort of not accidentally, sets the ship ablaze. There's a lot Um, of
1: gunpowder on that ship. Let me tell you, a lot of of gunpowder.
0: Conveniently, Um, Ian and his henchmen escape and pretty much lock Ben and Riley down there in the bowels of the ship. And um, Ben and Riley do end up surviving as they climb into the smuggler's hold. We'll talk later on about whether or not that's actually realistic in another episode. Um, But We survive. Uh, Ian doesn't know we survive. um, And so... Surprise! Surprise! It's going to be a major surprise later. But um, Ian uh, is off to steal the declaration, and Ben and Riley have to figure out how to stop him. So we move from, as Emily says, the Arctic Tundra down to Washington, D.C., um, where we have just exited the Hoover FBI building because Ben and Riley are trying to tip the FBI off that someone's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Um, we've been there, by the way. Not inside. Oh, yes. I should clarify. You know,
1: we've seen we've seen the outside <laughs> of the building.
0: Part of our house. As I'm
1: sure many tourists that have been to Washington, D.C. have, but we feel it's important that, you know, we've seen the outside of the building.
0: Yeah, and sought it out. It wasn't like an accident. Yes, um, yes. So so um, we learn at this point that the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, everyone's telling these guys it's impossible to steal a declaration, so we're going to go straight to the source. Ben and Riley go to the National Archives where the Declaration of Independence is actually stored, and so they have a meeting scheduled with who ends up being our final main character, Abigail Chase.
1: Dr. Chase is in the house. Finally, she got some interesting accent going on that kind of comes in and out throughout the film. Pay attention for it (laughs) next time. I'm not entirely sure what's happening there, but maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Basically, they they try and go in and they're just like, yo, can we look at the Declaration of Independence, please? And she's like, no. (laughs) No. shocker <laughs> yeah big shock they seem a little shocked by it riley doesn't ben seems like he's a little he's a little surprised that she just said no, well, no so
0: first she's gonna ask them why right and they're yes. gonna have to say in ben's words we have reason to believe there's an encryption leading to a cartograph leading to hidden items of historic and intrinsic value and she's yeah. like and did and how do you know about this invisible map and well we found a mirshawn pipe well can i see the pipe um no we don't have it so naturally she asked them if bigfoot took it and that's probably one of my favorite lines of the movie
1: it is a good one
0: so very quickly they realize they're not getting through to this to this doctor chase and on their way out of the national archives you know they got to pay the document of visit they're going to go check out the declaration of independence and um, this is where ben really decides that he's going to take things to the next level and he declares you want to say it him
1: we're going to steal the declaration of independence
0: no i'm going to steal the <laughs> declaration Jeez, get the most iconic line right, Superfan. My gosh. And I like the quotes and I like the quotes.
1: I got so, too excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't want to leave Riley out.
0: that's that's, that's super fair. Um, but what ends up happening is Riley is obviously taken a little bit aback by this revelation. If you want to call it such. And we see a a few awesome views of of iconic landmarks in DC. We get to see uh, the Lincoln Memorial. We've been there. Indeed, we have. We head over to the Library of Congress.
1: Also been there.
0: Indeed, we have. And it's at the Library of Congress where Riley is trying to convince Ben of why it's not. That they shouldn't steal the declaration, but they literally can't do it. And he explains how the declaration is stored under one inch thick bulletproof glass. It has heat sensors around it. It gets leveled down into a four foot thick concrete steel plated vault. It's protected with electronic locks, biometric access systems. Like, my God, this thing is very well
1: protected. They give us so much information about the protection of the Declaration of Independence. I have some questions. We won't address them now, but it, it's a, it's seriously, they go hard on the details here.
0: And if you have similar questions like Emily, definitely you're going to want to come back because we're going to cover all of that and more on one of our future episodes. So um, very quickly, though, Riley's rationale is sort of overturned. ...by Ben, who notifies him that when the declaration isn't on display... ...when it's being taken care of or something, it is taken to a preservation room... ...which, let me just say, compared to all of the safety of its normal encasing... ...this preservation room really leaves something to be desired on the the actual preservation front. But maybe that's just me. Apparently it is not well protected. And so, basically the guys decide if they can get that document into the preservation room they can steal this thing and so in the interest of time we will quickly go through what is um, a really cool scene that walks us through the whole process leading up to how they're going to steal this there's a lot that we'll cover in future episodes here for right now I just want to shout out Emily because if you are going through this scene you'll hear some awesome background music which was the inspiration for our intro music to this podcast and Emily made that intro music so well done Em.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I try.
0: I mean I couldn't do it so I'm very impressed Um, and and this scene was the inspiration for that but we're gonna get down to actually stealing the the darn thing right now. Um, The way they do it is actually very clever um, I think and that is because Ben has to figure out how to get into this really swanky gala being hosted at the National Archives because that is when the declaration now in the preservation room is going to be least protected.
1: Indeed it will. So how does Ben possibly get into this gala? He goes in as a janitor and one of Aubrey's favorite things about this is that it allows him to go in with, what is it Aubrey? A screwdriver a screwdriver it <laughs> allows him to go in with a screwdriver which is going to become useful in a few short scenes
0: it is and this one of the things that i really think is an underappreciated aspect of this movie franchise they take a series of events that should fundamentally be impossible and the, they do everything that they can in the storyline to make the impossible as possible as possible. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> sure. Let's say it does.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean. They make it as realistic as it possibly can be with such a crazy storyline. And, and so that's why a detail like that I think is so cool. That he comes in as a janitor so he can bring in this screwdriver. Um, once he gets into the gala, he... Pulls off the janitor suit, he's wearing a tux underneath, it's not wrinkled miraculously. And he um he does some schmoozing at the gala before going to find the declaration. And this ends up being actually really important. We find out it's part of his plan.
1: Oh my gosh, can I just say before we move forward? And it might be jumping ahead a couple seconds here, but I don't want to miss it. My literal favorite line from this movie happens. He's Me too. talking to them, he's talking to Abigail. About uh, what it must have been like for the people who signed the Declaration of Independence and the immense amount of pressure that they were under. And his delivery of it, I'm going to give a lot of credit because the line itself isn't that great. But he literally says that these people who signed the Declaration of Independence could possibly have their entrails cut out and burned. And he's like that. Burned.
0: Oh my! <laughs> is literally the most underrated line in the entire movie. I'm so glad you pointed that out. And this is part of a toast that he's doing with Abigail, um, which is also really important to stealing the declaration because he later takes her champagne glass and gets her fingerprints from the champagne glass to be able to access the preservation room. And so that's what he does. He goes down, he, he takes the the, the entire declaration in its casing from the preservation room. He's trying to unscrew it. But suddenly, uh, Riley, who's been monitoring the situation via a live feed of the security cameras, loses his connection. Why, Emily, who is also there, ironically, on the same night?
1: Sean Bean, a.k.a. Ian. Our boy Ian is there with his crew, and they're going in just hot and heavy. They are not—they don't get— they don't care eh, about getting into the gala and, like, looking nice. They're straight up just going brute force here. Brute force their way in, and we find out pretty soon that he's actually shooting at, at them. At which point, which I kind of love this, Ben just casually uses the Declaration of Independence <laughs> in its case as, like, a, a shield.
0: Which, hey, that, for
1: someone who loves it. the document as much as he does, it, is a little shocking.
0: That one-inch-thick bulletproof glass also becomes a very important plot point here. I'm just <laughs> throw it out there. And can I just say, Ian's face when he realizes that Ben is not only alive but holding the Declaration of Independence not 100 yards from him— is pretty dang priceless. Mm-hmm. Just got to throw that out there. Um, so so basically, Ben makes it into an elevator, running away from Ian and crew. He takes the declaration out of the casing in the elevator and is about to make his exit out of the National Archives when he finds himself in the gift shop of the Archives Museum. <laughs> And um, gets caught trying to steal the Declaration, but not in the way he actually is doing it. The the clerk thinks that he's stealing a replica and makes him purchase the Declaration of Independence for $35 plus tax. We find out later, and this is going to become important, he buys the real one as well as... A replica. So the clerk thinks he's buying two replicas. Um, And that's going to be really important because as he is leaving the archives building, Abigail thinks this is some sketchy stuff going on, follows him out, and then all of a sudden the alarms start going off on the archives building because this is really all Ian's fault. The mm-hmm. the security guards realize that like other security guards are passed out because they've been tased by Ian and co. I mean, if they had just let well enough alone and let Ben go get the declaration, they could have stolen it from him easier than stealing it from the archives. <laughs> I just point that out. My God. But, you know, this is a movie and we need dramatic effect. So so Abigail, he basically gives Abigail the replica, but she doesn't know that. And then she gets kidnapped by Ian, and that's bad. And then car chase. It's 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 whole a whole car lot of, chase. It's a whole lot of whole a lot of a lot if, action if, action. This is a, this is an action flick. Mm. Who knew?
1: But we don't care that much about the action.
0: No, not at all. We care about these these amazing plot points. Basically. Um, Ben gets Abigail into his van safely. Ian gets the replica from Abigail, thinks he has the real thing. Also a great moment when he unrolls it and sees the little sticker at the top of the post <laughs> tag. Like, dude, you couldn't tell it wasn't the real thing because it's basically poster paper?
1: Yeah, the the real thing's gotta be old.
0: Like, probably, I don't know, wouldn't even survive being rolled up like it is in the movie, but... <laughs> Whatevs. <laughs> so um, Abigail's freaking out. She learns very quickly through some sassy exchanges with Ben that Ben actually has the real thing. Ben is prepared to examine the back of this at his apartment with this really intense particulate filtration system to make this as safe as possible for such a historical document. But we learn quickly they can't go back to Ben's apartment because when he paid for those replicas of the declaration, credit cards slip.
1: Credit cards, people. You gotta watch out,
0: dude. He was he was not ready. So immediately, FBI is on their tail. And I guess I made a, a slight mistake before. Um, we have one more semi-important character to introduce here, which is Agent Sedusky of the FBI.
1: Aubrey's favorite character. I
0: hate him so much, like so much. Can I just say that? Quite frankly, I'm pretty sure Sedusky's only real role in this movie is like, in case you're watching and you like turned away for a sec and you missed what was happening. He's your narrator to get you back on track because he has the dumbest lines as if he's just figuring out what's going on at any given moment in time. (laughs) And we see that immediately when he's trying to figure out who was shooting at who in the archives and why weren't they getting along? Shut up. Sadusky. Like stop (laughs) it. Oh my God. Sorry. Anyway, back to the important stuff happening here, which is Abigail is now with Ben and Riley and the declaration, and she is not letting this document out of her sight. So where do we got to go? Because we cannot go to Ben's apartment.
1: Well, we have to go to what Ben really makes seem like a, a terrible option here. We have to go to Ben's dad's place.
0: Yes, um, which apparently is very, like, traumatic for him mm. because he has a not great relationship with his dad because his dad thinks treasure hunting is nonsense.
1: Although it seems like he used to treasure hunt himself, so I-, I guess he just got tired of it and then was like, this is stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, he actually had a really cool line when we get to his dad's house. Um he has this this theory that the legend of the treasure was invented to keep the british occupied during the revolutionary war which i think is really smart um i really liked that interpretation we find of course we learn later that's not true but very logical conclusion for this dad figure that i'm otherwise not a huge fan of i don't really i don't really need this character in my life but that's just me personally um <laughs> in any case at ben's dad's house we need to examine the back of the Declaration. So, we are going to try to uncover some invisible ink. We learned very quickly um, in the film that to reveal ferrous sulfate invisible inks, you need a reagent and some heat. So, for this film, we're using lemon juice and a hair dryer.
1: Yeah, well, they they to be fair, they do they do try their own breath uh, on it on it first. Uh, And that that leads to one of my favorite moments where we get some some sexual tension here. I'm all about the the love stories in these films. And this is our first moment, really, where we see Abigail and Ben kind of come face to face. They lean in and look as if they're almost going to kiss. And Ben's dad says, we need heat. And the two of them lean in. And breathe on the Declaration of Independence, which I realize doesn't <laughs> sound romantic at all. That a scene too. Romantic. <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: I actually hate that scene. So I'm glad you like it. I find it so obnoxious. Um, but yes, we 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 see that there is a signal, uh, the little icon at the top of the document. And so they need more lemon juice. They need more heat. I need to make a quick shout out to the entire Twitterverse community of National Treasure fans. I see you. Yes, there's a giant bowl of lemons in Ben's dad's fridge. Who the heck has so many lemons just laying around in their fridge? Maybe he really
1: likes lemonade.
0: Maybe, but you know what? For the sake of of treasure hunting, we should all be very grateful that he is so prepared. That's (laughs) all I have to say. Um, So we see you, Twitterverse. Anyway, um, when they use their lemons and heat, they find an Ottendorf cipher on the back of the declaration, which basically is a series of numbers indicating the page, the line number on the page, and the letter in the line of... um, of a text, a given text, which apparently Ben has known from the beginning, from the time they were stepping foot on the Charlotte, that that text, the code-breaking text, is the silence do-good letters. Um, This is actually something I didn't really realize until one of the more recent times I watched the film. I love finding new things every time I watch it, but um, if we want to flashback really quick to when they were on the Charlotte, Ben makes a note to Ian, you know, you can't kill me, there's more to the riddle. And it's in that moment that you flash forward to this scene, and you realize he knew from that moment on the Charlotte that the Silence Do Good letters were the key here. So I think that's really cool. Fun fact. Anyway, um, the Silence Do Good letters, which we will case study in a future episode of the show in more detail. Uh, spoiler alert: they were real. Um, it turns out that we had to go to Ben's dad's house because Ben's dad has the Silence Do Good letters, or at least Ben thinks he does. Casual. I mean, he, he did. Apparently, ancestors just randomly happened to have an antique desk from the press room where those do, those letters were published. Um, but we find out that, unfortunately, Ben's dad has donated those letters to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, so at that point, we decide we have to go to Philadelphia. Where else are we going to go? We got to get to these letters, man. We and could just Google them. No, no, not at all, which I believe is what Ian does. Um, no, no it's he, not. He Never steals, mind. <laughs> steal some recon. Emily, you're
0: so bad at chronology. I love you to death, but my God, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll help you out here. So we steal Ben's dad's car. We drive to Philly. Well, I guess we're sort of already in Philly. We drive into Philly proper. Right, and we go to the Franklin Institute, where Riley is has basically commissioned a small child to go into the Franklin Institute and record the letters of the cipher, the de- to decode the cipher that he needs, and he's paying this kid a dollar for every four letters he brings back to him. Like, um, I think it's really funny because. Um, he cracks the code with the help of this kid. The, the code is the timely shadow that crosses in front of the house of Pass and Stowe. Uh, we'll get to what that means in a second. But it's extra funny to me and, and kind of crafty that Ian also happens to be in Philadelphia on the same day. My God, Why not? This, this movie magic, this drama, high alert.
1: Well Sean Bean knows, knows his stuff, man.
0: Well, he knows who to follow. He, he can't do any of this on his own, um, but he realizes this kid is running in and out and that that's sketchy, and he's looking at the same documents that he himself, Ian, is looking at. So what he does is he pays the kid 100 bucks, $100 bill to give him the last four letters of the code that he was going to give to Riley. Um, the reason this is interesting is we find out very quickly, I'm gonna jump ahead a little, but that's because nothing majorly significant happens that I'm gonna skip. Um, We find out that the $100 bill is sort of the next clue. So, without realizing it, Ian has given a clue to this kid, uh, which I think just really highlights Ian's lack of understanding of what's going on here. So, how is this the next clue? Basically, the timely shadow that crosses in front of the house of Pass and Stowe is referring to Independence Hall, where the Liberty Bell cast by Pass and Stowe was hanging at the time of. When these clues were made, basically. (laughs) And um, what is the timely shadow? Well, Ben, again, very quickly comes to the conclusion, very smart, I suppose, um, that on the back of a $100 bill, there is an etching of Independence Hall that was done in the 1780s by a friend of Ben Franklin. And the clock on that teeny tiny etching on the back of that $100 bill says the time 222.
1: And then, and then, my boy, Riley, comes in clutch in this moment. They get all upset because they're like, well, clearly we've already, they look at their clocks, their watches, and they're like, we've missed the time. We're gonna, I guess, have to wait till tomorrow. I don't really know what their plan was. We don't have time to get to their plan because before they can say anything else, Riley gets really excited. And he's like, nobody else knows oh my gosh, this is something I know that nobody else knows. No, nobody else knows this. And then he tells them that daylight savings time wasn't invented at the time when this $100 bill painting was actually made, which means that actually the time should be 322, yeah. not 222.
0: I'm so happy that you're so happy for him.
1: It's, 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 his, it's his moment.
0: It's his to moment of glory.
1: Shine away, little Riley. Shine.
0: <laughs> okay, so so basically we go to Independence Hall at 322. We have to climb the, the the tower of Independence Hall for some reason to see where the shadow is hitting a wall. I don't think you really needed to be in the tower to do that, but hey, no, dramatic but effect.
1: Not going to lie, when I went to Independence Hall, I did look at the staircase that was blocked off and high-key consider doing it. I did not because I cannot do things that are against the rules. But I, I the thought occurred to me to, to climb up the stairs.
0: That's, I think, really reasonable. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you refrained because, mm-hmm. like, felony. But yeah. you know, um, they they find that the shadow of the steeple, pointy thing, is is basically pointing to a brick. Um, on the side of the building that they have to go and carve out. It's a hollow brick they find inside of the brick bifocals which were created by ben franklin and they're these special bifocals that have sort of two lenses um they're partially colored they're very strange looking um but somehow they realize and this is something i have yet to figure out they just happen to know that they're supposed to use these bifocals to look at the backlory back the backloration
1: baccalaureation
0: <laughs> the back of the declaration of independence good thing they still have that by the way yeah Um, So they they check it out um, and on the back of the declaration using these bifocals, they see the words here at the wall where the word here is spelled with two E's. But before we can go into what this actually means, we have another action sequence because by golly, Ian and crew are on the scene Mm -hmm. so we split up and we take uh, Ben with some of the clues, goes running off in one direction. Abigail and Riley go off with the other set of clues because we don't want Ian and co to have all of the clues together. To be completely honest with you though, I'm pretty sure if he had all the stuff he wouldn't know what to do with it anyway.
1: No, and you know what? I have to say, they don't know what to do with it either. This part has always bothered me. You specifically said that The glasses have, like, multiple colors to them, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I am aware that I am jumping ahead, though, which is what makes this moment different from all of the others when I was unaware. That they didn't flip the glasses... To like look with the other color and see like maybe there's something else here. Maybe the fact that these glasses have two layers is important. I don't know. They couldn't even figure it out. So definitely Ian would would have been just absolutely lost.
0: We've got to let them slide though, right? They figured everything else out up to this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. But but it all is true. Knowledge.
0: It, it's <laughs> it's true, and I guess. I'll jump a little bit ahead here because what happens is um, Ian basically gets the Declaration of Independence, but the FBI gets Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, basically, when Ben is in FBI custody, he, the, all of the clues that he had in his possession are laying on the table. and he sees Sideski, mindless, dumb Sidesky playing, just kind of tapping on the glasses and he notices the colors flipping on the glasses. And this is like you can watch him have a eureka moment, like, oh my God, there's more to the clue. He literally says it under his breath. Um, but what has- also
1: for us to hear? In case we didn't get it from just looking.
0: But but clearly Sadusky doesn't hear it because Sadusky doesn't hear anything important. Sorry, I really hate this guy. So Sadusky is going through all the options that Ben has here. And um, basically Ben's going to help him get the Declaration of Independence back from Ian. We have what's probably my least favorite line in the entire franchise Someone's got to go to prison, Ben. There are no doors here that don't lead to prison. Someone's got to go to prison. I'm just going to leave that there. I think that line speaks for itself in terms of how stupid it is. We're just going to leave that there. I just had to I just had to get that off my chest. After all of these years, M, that line doesn't bother you?
1: No, it makes me laugh because I know how much it bothers you.
0: <laughs> so you hear that line and you think of me.
1: Yeah, but I also think... I laugh, because I'm like, Aubrey gets really annoyed by it, so I'm a really good friend, basically.
0: I love you too. Um, So anyway, how are we going to help the FBI get the declaration back? Well, it turns out that um, Ian is working with Abigail and Riley. Um, On their end, it's to get Ben out of FBI custody on the FBI end it's to get the declaration back Um, Ben has to go under FBI supervision to the USS Intrepid in New York City where he is promptly met by one of Ian's henchmen Uh, another Ian henchman is basically putting a lot of interference on the little earpiece that the FBI has in Ben's ear which I just think is so funny like duh
1: how yeah, like they not- weren't prepared for this. Why were they
0: not prepared for this? That's insane. I I, I I, have no words. But let's just say we're glad that they weren't prepared. It's probably because Sadusky's dumb, right? I mean, oh, yeah. obviously. Gotta be uh, he is not fit to lead this investigation, let me just say. Um, but it's a good thing that they're not prepared because Ben is able to jump over the deck where one of Ian's folks is underwater with a oxygen tank and like a missile in the Hudson River that like shoots him across the river <laughs> to New Jersey.
1: Yeah. And then also real quick, one of my, since we're talking about quotes here, because I love the quotes, one of my favorite quotes happens as the FBI task force goes looking for Ben and they're in a helicopter above the <laughs> Hudson and Sadusky asks, you know, can, can you see him? Where is he? Where is he? And she goes, it's the Hudson, sir. Nobody can see anything in the Hudson.
0: Yeah. And again, Sadowski's dumb. If you yeah, didn't believe you it see in the Hudson, if you didn't believe it before, now you gotta. Um, so so Ben ends up in New Jersey where he is met by some of Ian folk, <laughs> Ian folk, some yeah. of Ian's folks again. Um, and he learns that Abigail and Riley are involved in this whole heist to get him out of uh, FBI custody. Um, They drive him to New York City. So we've gone from New York City, New Jersey, back to New York City, um, where we are at the intersection of Wall Street and Broadway. Why? Well, Go back to when we were looking at the back of the Declaration with the glasses only partially correctly, and the clue on the back of the Declaration said, here at the wall. Well, quick history lesson, apparently Wall Street's original gate was located at a road named Here Street, H E E R E, which was later renamed Broadway, hence intersection of Wall Street and Broadway, where we see Trinity Church. Um, Trinity Church, the logo or symbol for this church was also sort of on the back of the Declaration. So they oh, like logo. Lo- whatever you know what I mean. <laughs> what is it called? The church's
1: what you, logo. What
0: would you call it? Like an insignia. Hey, is it probably their Twitter handle? Like, icon, yes. What does that make it? Their logo. I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyway, um, they know that they're supposed to go because of this inside of Trinity Church. Um, We go in. We find out that Ian has, like, kidnapped Ben's dad. Just, like, an added touch. It's it's a very Sean Bean move, if you will.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we had to bring him back in.
0: It's true. They're gonna. They want to bring him back for the second movie. So we need to make sure we don't forget him. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also find out that Ian's henchmen sort of like commandeered Abigail and Riley. So it
1: also like, not super surprising.
0: Not surprising. Although in the movie, I think you're supposed to be surprised by it. Don't don't be fooled whatever. We're inside of the church. Um, ben unscrolls the declaration, realizes he needs to look at it with the bifocals again, using all the colors of the rainbow this time. Mm-hmm. And they reveal more words. They reveal Parkington Lane, which they soon come to realize is basically a crypt within the church.
1: Yeah, and you know what? They they find that crypt, and let me just say, Ian's, Ian's people kind of get to the front of the line here. And they do their standard move of just destroy. So they straight up just destroy this crypt. It really
0: does kill me when they destroy things. Especially historical things in these movies. But side note. And it's
1: in a church. Why why, why, why are you breaking things in a church, man?
0: Because they're just really money hungry and want this treasure. And at this point... We're, like, nearing the end of this movie. You can tell we're, like, a minute 30 or a minute 30, an hour 30 in. And so clearly the treasure is, is somewhere around here, right? It's
1: seriously nigh.
0: <laughs> so so the crypt that is broken is apparently a giant tunnel system that um, leads to a pit that seems to have no end, Um, That goes very, very far down into the ground. But what blows my mind even more is that apparently this giant pit and dumbwaiter system is under the Trinity Church graveyard near the subway. And so the fact that it has survived hundreds of years with all these things going on around is fairly mind-blowing, but I guess sufficiently impressive.
1: I don't know about your churches, but all my churches have super creepy tunnels underneath of them. And treasures? And treasures, yes, all—all it's—it's a church thing.
0: So when we get down to what's effectively like an antechamber um, in front of what is presumably the the treasure room, um, we play a prank on Ian uh, because we realize that we need to make him leave um, because he's probably going to shoot everyone if they get to the treasure room and he wants to keep the treasure. So, uh, Ben and his dad very sneakily pretend that they've come all this way and the treasure has been, has been moved. Um, he, they basically come up with a fake clue to get Ian to leave. And they look at the, this is actually really funny. They look at the, um, torch, the lantern on the wall and they say, oh, this is a reference to one if by land, two if by sea, In Boston, Thomas Newton hung one lantern for Paul Revere, right, because the British came by land. Well, if Ian knew anything about American history, he would know that the British came by sea, two lanterns.
1: And can I just say, not only is it not Ian that doesn't know anything about American history in this particular juncture, but um, almost every time I see this movie, I am fooled by this clue. I, I, I still think it's – I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. That makes complete sense. It, of course, the lantern thing is is real, and I get the history wrong, probably not surprisingly at this point, based on my issues with uh, chronology. But <laughs> anyway.
0: we'll let it slide. I mean, it just goes to show that Mr. Nick Cage's acting is so on point. I've just got to jump in here for a second and say – that this is my first Nick Cage movie is National Treasure. So I leave this movie thinking that Nick Cage is a freaking phenomenal actor. No one else could play Ben Gates. And if you have theories on that, you're going to want to tune in to our future episode where we discuss casting decisions. Anyway, we've convinced Ian that he needs to go to Boston. So he basically abandons um, our, our protagonists at the bottom of this giant cavern He leaves for Boston. Um, Ben and his dad are like, sorry about that, y'all. We're actually okay. We're going to the (laughs) treasure room. And so he sees, he basically points out the all-seeing eye painted on the wall. And there's sort of like a button under it. Um, And he sort of like presses the button. And it leads to another room. And at this point, now Ben is actually convinced the treasure has been taken. Because there's no treasure in this room. And it looks like it's been ransacked. Um, Which is actually really sad. There's this weird anticlimactic moment where he's like, it's gone. I just really thought I was going to find the treasure. And he's real sad and looks like Indiana Jones. And you're like, oh, poor Nick Cage. But he hasn't given up. He notices on the wall that the secret lies with Charlotte. (laughs) And it's a beautiful wraparound moment. Where in the wall, there's one more thing he has to do. He basically has to take the pieces of the Meerschaum pipe from the Charlotte, put them into the wall, and then use that to trigger a switch and open the final door. And I love this moment because when you think back to the very beginning of the movie, back when Charles Carroll is passing along the clue of the secret lies of Charlotte, if you really think about it, you could ask yourself, which iteration of this clue was he talking about you know was he pointing them towards the boat or was he pointing them towards how to open the treasure room door i just think that's really cool so it's really cool in a circular storytelling perspective but anyway they open the door and we see a pretty phenomenal treasure
1: we do we see quite we we start to see things immediately riley immediately goes over to what he refers to as a uh little bluish green man Abigail's distracted looking at some other stuff. And then Ben realizes that, wait, there's more that we need to see here. So, in what is probably one of the most epic moments of the film, he takes his torch and he lights this path, essentially, that travels down all the way into the CGI chamber of treasure. That as the fire lights up the rest of the room, we get this beautiful swell of music, which you haven't heard yet, but hopefully you'll hear inklings of it in our outro. Um, but some of th- that music is honestly some of my favorite. I get chills every single time I see this movie at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty incredible scene. We learn that this treasure has an estimated value of $10 billion. Um, so... We see lots and lots of gold, lots of sarcophagi from from <laughs> Egypt and different cultures, and sculptures and relics. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Um, so we go, we we find our way back up to the ground level of the church, if you will, um, where Seduski is obviously waiting for us. We learn that Seduski plot twist is actually a Freemason. Pretty much possibly,
1: most- sorry, possibly one of the only interesting things about him.
0: Oh, definitely, that he's been trained in the lore of this treasure. Um, Essentially, Ben makes the decision that, you know, the founding fathers believed this treasure was too great for one person or one entity to own, so he's going to split the treasure up between the Smithsonian, the Louvre, the Cairo Museum, all of the great cultural heritage centers of the world, and... I personally, I love the sentiment behind that, but there's also a very like neat, organized part of me that's a little bit perturbed by splitting <laughs> up the treasure. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Um, he ends up asking Sadowski for um, to to for a couple of requests for finding this treasure. He wants Dr. Chase to have no discredits on her work record, so she gets off scot free. Uh, credit. For the discovery of the treasure to the entire gates family and of course riley can i just note it doesn't no credit to abigail by the way
1: the patriarchy
0: um and ben also really wants to not go to prison and so sadusky's like but someone's gotta go to prison and so they go up to boston and arrest Ian. um so that that's pretty much sums up the movie in the end we learn that this will make Emily happy. Ben and mm-hmm. Abigail are now a couple. They've bought um, a house that is somehow associated with Charles Carroll. As Riley says, someone did something in history and had fun. Um, and, and Riley uses his money to buy a red Ferrari. So, yes. Which, which,
1: spoiler alert, comes back in the next film. So <laughs> just keep an eye out for that. But yes, the movie ends with Ben and Abigail running towards the house as there is a treasure that is supposedly going to be found inside <laughs> ruined okay. my beautiful moment
0: you know and then okay fine we can bring back your beautiful moment you get some nice music with the credits how's that
1: beautiful music gotta watch the always watch the credits to listen to music
0: <laughs> so that is our recap Of National Treasure. I've got to say, um, this episode is a bit longer than what you're going to get from us in the future. We wanted to kick it off with as thorough of an opening as possible, introduce you to the film, introduce you to us, and how we see the movie, why we love the movie. Uh, Our lovely
1: personalities. (laughs)
0: <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. But on our next episode, we're going to be covering some of the historical aspects of this movie. What is coming from reality, what maybe is a bit of a stretch. So you're going to want to come back um and and learn more with us as we we go into history in episode 2. So don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it. I'm Aubrey. I'm Emily. Thank you for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.